Welcome to Bio, a podcast produced by the Biographers International Organization. Bio is devoted to promoting the work of biographers and advocating for biography as a genre with the support of biographers and biography lovers worldwide. I'm Bio member Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. On each episode, we'll talk with a biographer about his or her work. This week, a conversation with biographer Hilary Holiday. Writing a book about the acclaimed poet Adrian Rich seemed a natural next step for this author. She'd written earlier about another poet, Herbert Hunky, who provided the name of the Beat Generation. That Adrian Rich, who died in 2012, never wished for a biography to be written about her, posed challenges. But in the thoughtful hands of Holiday, a scholar and journalist, Rich's dramatic past and the context of her personal story come alive. I spoke with Hillary Holiday from her home in Virginia via Zoom on March 8, 2021. Adrian Rich was a great poet and extraordinarily important figure in the mid to late 20th century women's movement. Adrian Rich was born in 1929 in Baltimore, and she was educated at Radcliffe College. And she published her first book when she was still an undergraduate. She won the Yale Younger Poets Prize for a change of world. And that really launched her career. From then on, um, she was a truly successful, well-known poet. Then in early middle age, she joined the feminist movement, what was then known typically as the women's liberation movement and drawing on her eloquence, her keen acumen for knowledge of all kinds. She was quickly able to become the, the truly the literary face of feminism. So how did you arrive at writing a biography of her, given you had written, you've written extensively, uh, you're a professor, you had written a, a book about a beat poet. How did it, how did you arrive at this as a subject? Mainly I write about modern and contemporary women authors. As it happened though, the previous biography I had written was about Herbert Hunky, a um, figure in the beat movement. And I loved writing about Hunky. He was an irascible figure. He was a very interesting writer who influenced Jack Kerouac and other figures in the beat movement. When I finished that book, I knew that I wanted to write another biography Previously, I had done literary criticism, always with elements of biography in, in those works. And I also have pretty much always been a journalist along with being a literary scholar. So I thought, all right, I, I want to write another biography. This time I think I'll, I'll go back to writing about women. And as it happened, Adrian Rich had died two years before I started this new project. She had died in 2012. And in 2014, I decided that she was the perfect subject for me. And that was 
was because I already was familiar with her work and admired it greatly. I also knew, although I didn't know, of course, all the details of her life, I knew that she had had certainly a very interesting and dramatic life. Not every poet does. Lots of modern and contemporary poets and writers in general have lived pretty quiet lives. And in Rich's case, she made the time to write, of course. Um, and she did teach like many contemporary writers, but there were so many interesting moments in her life that I knew that if I dug into her life story that I would have, have a real story to tell. Given how dramatic her life was, how difficult was it to gain access to the family? Was it net? Did you feel it was necessary to gain access to the family? It looks like you you talked with her sister, but what? Let's talk about those stumbling blocks because that's something that everybody always comes up against in this process. I discovered that her papers are kept at the Schlesinger Library at Harvard University. I was then in touch with the librarians at the Schlesinger and they were able to put me in touch with, with Adrian Rich's estate represented by one of her sons. I was in touch with him and he told me very gently and kindly that his mother had not wanted a biography written about her, at least not anytime soon. It seems that she was not opposed to a biography way off in the future, but that she had not wanted someone like me going around and interviewing people. And I perfectly understood why he and his brothers would keep their promise to their mother and why perhaps some other people very close to her who had been told the same thing that she had told them um, that she didn't want them to agree to interviews. And of course I respected that. However, I, I gave that a lot of thought and I decided that Adrian Rich was such an important figure, such a great poet and intellectual. And that if a biography did not come out fairly soon after her death, that there was a real danger that her legacy would be lost. I knew that nothing was more important to Rich than keeping the legacy of her art alive. She wasn't so egocentric that she cared about people remembering the particulars of her life story but I knew she wanted the art to be remembered. And I feared that in this cultural moment, when we have so much information coming at us all the time, that there was a real risk that she would get lost. In the meantime, lots of biographies were already published and being published of her contemporaries, of Robert Lowell, of Sylvia Plath, of Anne Sexton, and other poets who are not really as accomplished as rich. So I felt like I would be taking a risk by launching a project without the, the blessing you might say of her estate, but I still had access to her papers at Harvard. No one was saying you, at least at that moment, no one was saying you can't come here and look at her papers. 
So I, I traveled from my home in Virginia many times to Harvard so that I could read through her papers. And, and that was how I got started with the project. I think that people who are new to biography or don't understand biography, even educated people don't understand what you just described, both your intent and, and the purity of the intent and, and the celebration of a person, not veneration necessarily, but, but exactly what you just described and that one can write a book without a subject's Ascent. I mean, I, I say that from my own personal experience because I've done it a couple of times now. And I, it always shocks me how much people don't get that, that that's possible. How did that, I'm sure that that came up for you along the way, or I assume that it did. So how did, how did you square, and I'm asking for personal reasons too, just how did, how did you um, work through that and wade through that. I've heard a thousand times, how could you do that without asking the person or being there? And of course, I, I know that it's possible, but it's, it's beleaguering to hear it a lot, isn't it? It is. Lisa, I'll tell you something that a friend of mine told me fairly early on in my research. She said, you can't have someone who's micromanaging from beyond the grave. And that really helped put my mind at ease. I thought, I am a biographer, I have a subject. And Adrian Rich did not, Adrian Rich and I did not know each other personally. So she did not tell me <laughs> not to write a biography of her. And that has helped me to think that I am a, a, a I have my own agency and I, I did worry about it. I spent five years researching and writing the book and I was very concerned that at some point I might run into a stumbling block that for whatever reason might prevent me from being able to publish the book. All along though, I just felt that her life was so fascinating. I was learning so much, not just about Adrian Rich and her, her childhood in, in Baltimore, her college years, her marriage that started off well and then became difficult. Um, I wasn't learning just about that or the terrible suicide of her husband or then her great flowering in the years after the devastating loss of him. Um, I was learning about feminism. I was learning about the lesbian politics of the 1970s and after. I was learning about how Rich found a way to connect her sense of, her early sense of feminism as a white woman with um, uh, the feminism of women of color and how she was, synthesizing all these different threads of feminism and social activism. And once I got that far into the project, there was just no going back. There was no stopping. And I felt like um, I did have moments where, as I said, where I was really worried, but I just felt like it's, it has to happen. I have to be able to finish this and get this out to the world so people can see what a crucial figure she truly was in not just women's history, 
Um, but truly in our nation's history, and we're talking about a woman who had an impact on people really all over the world. Well, and, and, and that's what you've done is the best of biography is it's the person and the, the moment in time and, and the social and wider impact. I'm thinking as I'm talking with you a few weeks ago, I interviewed David Michaelis, who just did a one volume, I think it's the only single volume on Eleanor Roosevelt. And he said that he intentionally chose someone um, where he wasn't working. The last, his previous two biographies, he had spoken or been somewhat involved with the families. And in this case, it was liberating not to, but it was, it was a history lesson for him as much as it was an immersion into the person. And that's clearly, do you, do you think that that's necessary for biography or is it just, that's what makes the best biographies or how did, how did this experience inform your bigger picture toward the art and, and craft of biography? I think that when you get going with a biography and you realize that it's sort of like if you're, um, uh, I'm not a cyclist, but I happened to be out on out taking a walk the other day and I saw two people on bicycles and, and the one was saying, you know, I was falling behind in your draft. So that made it so that I could, you know, I could pick up speed. And so they were talking about how great that was that the faster cyclist was out ahead and the other one was able to keep pace. I think a, a good biographer is in, you might say in the draft of his or her subject. Rich was always ahead of me, of course, because I was exploring and discovering her life. But in the, the truly the sweet moments of writing and researching, I felt like I was in her draft, that I was right behind her, that I could almost touch her. That sort of excitement, it's a quiet excitement, as you know, Lisa, for biographers. Um, when you're in a research library and you discover something that helps you put together so many different pieces or some detail that you had been looking for or even a detail you had not been looking for. And that's that moment of thinking, wow, I'm right with her. And I know there's a lot more I need to find out, but I'm, I'm, I don't want to catch up with her exactly. I just want to be in that draft so that I'm right with her. And so that's what it was for me, this feeling of, of quiet excitement, of full intellectual and creative exertion. It's so exciting to hear you describe it that way. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking too, you, you're, I can imagine you sitting there in the research library and sifting through and, and you may start out thinking you're writing a biography of Adrian Rich, but then it somehow morphs and changes. She morphs and changes before your eyes, but so does the period of time as well. Um, and it, it's a jigsaw puzzle, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It really is. And for me, since I was writing about someone who had died fairly recently, I was able to interview many, many people. And the journalists in me love that. I, I love interviewing people. And I, through my research, I was able to track down people 
Atrienne had known throughout her life. I talked to people, um, uh, women who had known her when she was nine and 10 years old. I talked to people who had known, uh, since she went to a prep school that went from elementary through high school, some of the women I talked to had known her all the, throughout those years. So I talked to people, to, to women um, who knew what she was like as a classmate. Um, I talked to people who had known her in college and some of those were, one I'm thinking of in particular, the poet Donald Hall um, and I corresponded at length about Adrian Rich and his friendship with her. And I read um, their correspondence. Others from her Harvard days um, were not so prominent. And if those stories, of course, were equally fascinating because they were telling me things like, oh, I, I had no idea what a dedicated writer she was. I thought she was just like the rest of us, maybe a little more driven, a little more ambitious. And I would hear her typing behind the closed door of her dorm room, but I had no idea that by her senior year, she would be publishing a book to national acclaim. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that must be, yeah, it's this, it's this evolutionary process of, it's actually reverse engineering of somebody's life and to go that far back and to imagine that they, uh, known your subject, it's incredible. I'm thinking too, what, what would be the major difference or was there a major difference between investigating Rich versus Hunky? What was the, back to your draft comment, really Rich followed Hunky in a really logical way for you. It's, you, you were the perfect person to do this book in the aftermath of that, but what, what was, or is there a way to distill the difference? Well, um, nobody minded that I was writing about Herbert Hunky. He was not as famous for one thing. He had been in and out of jail, in and out of prison. He was a heroin addict, he was a thief. Um, so, um, the people I interviewed for that book were delighted to share off of the stories that were very humorous about him. And um, the door was wide open for me. What I found when I segued to Adrian Rich was that the, the stakes were much higher. She was so much more famous than Hunky and her relationships um, often were very public. In Hunky's case, he did have several public, you might say public relationships with Allen Ginsberg, for instance, and, and William Burroughs, um, less so with Jack Kerouac. But in the case of Atrian Rich, she had a public falling out, for instance, with the very prominent attorney and anti-pornography activist, Catherine McKinnon. And I interviewed Catherine by email and it was wonderful to correspond with her um, and learn about the, the early friendship and how much she had just been in awe of 
Rich's early, or not early, but really her poetry of her middle years. And then they had become colleagues, you might say, in the anti-pornography movement. Unfortunately, they had a huge falling out when Rich pulled back from that movement in the name to sum it up as briefly as I can of free speech. So I guess the one of the key differences was just feeling, as I said, the high stakes and the tensions involved in writing about someone who had touched so many lives in a much more public way than Herbert Hunky had. So it wasn't so much the work that was different, although of course in every case, the work will be different, the, the, the sleuthing will be different, but it was more, more her status that was different. I see, I see. That, well, was, no, that was certainly a factor. Yeah, no, I can imagine. Will you next time lean more towards someone of the hunky variety, meaning, uh, you know, lesser known uh, or somebody acclaimed in the way that Rich is and was, or, or have you arrived at the decision for your next book yet? Oh. Since the research libraries are mostly closed right now because of the pandemic, it gives me some time to reflect and think about my next subject. I imagine that as I have with these other two biographies that I'll write about someone who has not received sufficient biographical attention um, book-length biographical attention. That's what I really like to do. I like to help someone, I like to help cement someone's legacy. And with Hunky, I felt that he really was important enough that he needed to be saluted, you might say, in a critical biography that paid attention to his writing as well as to his very colorful life. I think in the case of Adrian Rich, it really goes without practically goes without saying why she warranted a biography. I do like writing about women. I wouldn't rule out writing a biography of a man again. Um, but I think I would base my decision on um, how much attention the person has received and how much I can connect with that person's body of work. And since I do enjoy the interview portion of biography writing, I will very likely choose someone whose um, contacts, whose circle of contacts would still be available to me. Right, right. So you're not writing a book about Lincoln. <laughs> I always laugh when I look at the biographer's international organization newsletter and I think, oh my goodness, there are five more books about Lincoln. God bless those people who want to <laughs> yeah, they, they are tremendous scholars, the people who are able to write about Lincoln and, um, you know, I'm thinking, say, of Sylvia Plath, for instance, who's received attention from many biographers, and it turns out there's still more to be said about Plath, and so I, I, tip my hat to these, these incredible scholars and biographers who are fulfilling a need um, in readers who love these subjects and want to know everything they possibly can. It just happens that my wheelhouse is to get things started, to explore a subject I find riveting and to think here's a way that I can 
get this person's life out and not just the life, but the, the art as well to a readership so that people who, in the case say of, of Rich, if, if they had read her 20 years ago but haven't read her lately or maybe they read her in college back in the 70s, 80s or 90s, if they read my biography, maybe they'll get excited about her work again, as well as see how her life and art connect with what we're going through now in 2021. Um, I do think that's important for biographers to think about, to think about how the life of their subject connects in some way with our current times. Um, we wanna see our work in a historical and cultural continuum. Right, right, and that's, that's we can end on that point, but the whole idea that you've written this book now, 20 years from now, someone else might come along or however long and, and do the next iteration or another slice of her life, but you've got, you've got this out in the world and it must be exciting too. So you finished before the pandemic then, if the book just came out not long ago, right? So I finished writing the book in the fall of 2019, 19. then the mechanics of getting it through the permissions and all the different steps to get it into print took about a year. So the, the research and the writing took five years. And then from the time I finished the book to holding this, it took another year. Well, congratulations. And thank you so much for taking a little time to talk with us about it. Thank you, Lisa. That's writer Hilary Holiday, who spoke with me via Zoom about her book, The Power of Adrian Rich, published by Nan A. Talese in November 2020. You can hear more interviews and learn more about bio on our website at biographersinternational.org. Enzo De Palma created our theme music. Cherie Newman is our podcast editor. I'm Lisa Napoli in Los Angeles. Thanks for listening to Bio. Bio.